David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Welcome to another edition of Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com with David Spada and Elliot Harris. Once again, David is out busy working, or at least that's what he told me. Nonetheless, we have a couple of great interviews that he and I conducted with two Pro Football Hall of Famers. First up, we have quarterback Warren Moon, who played collegiately at the University of Washington and professionally in the Canadian and National Football Leagues. And second up, we will have former Notre Dame and mostly Minnesota Vikings defensive tackle Alan Page. We have someone I watched play many years in the NFL. He played his college ball at Washington. He ended up going to Canada for a few years, being a great player up there, and then joined the Houston Oilers. He was a nine-time Pro Bowl selection, Pro Football Famer Warren Moon. How you doing, Warren? I am doing great, David. How are you today? Great. I know uh, from talking to you before that you went to junior college before you ended up going to Washington. Was that by choice? Not really. Uh, everywhere I wanted to be recruited uh, in major colleges didn't want to recruit me as a quarterback. They wanted me to change positions, a uh, wide receiver, a defensive back, or schools that ran the option in that recruited me as a quarterback, but I was a passer, and I wanted to go to a school that, that threw the football, so I decided to go to junior college just because I didn't get the type of offers that I wanted to get uh, coming out of high school, and I went there for a year, uh, got myself a little bit more exposure, had another really good season, and uh, finally started to get recruited as a quarterback. How did, how did the colleges react when you said, I want to play quarterback? And they said, no, no, we want to shift you, and you, and you come back and you say, but I want to play quarterback. Well, I had actually committed to uh, Arizona State at the time uh, under Frank Cush, and then all of a sudden they signed the two top high school quarterbacks in the nation that year, a guy by the name of Dennis Sproul and another guy by the name of Bruce Hardy. And uh, once they signed those two kids, they told me they were going to change my position. So I uh, decommitted from Arizona State and uh, – Looking at my other options, I decided to, to go to, to junior college, and it was mainly because I believed in myself as a quarterback, and I, and I believed that I could throw the football with anybody, and it was just a matter of somebody giving me that opportunity. And, and since I didn't get the right opportunity coming out of high school, I, I took uh, junior college as a route because my high school coach was going to the junior college as the offensive coordinator, so I followed him, and we just continued what we had done in high school. When you went to Washington, did John James tell you you're going to play quarterback and that's it? That's the way it's going to be? Oh, no question about it. I would have never even considered Washington or any other school if I wasn't going to play quarterback and I wasn't if I wasn't going to be given the opportunity to play. Um, it was a matter of just going where you thought the best chance you had to play was, and, and that's what I looked at. You know, SC was the team that I had grown up uh, admiring, watching all their players throughout those years. and But Vince Evans was the quarterback at the time, and he was going into his senior year, and I would have had to redshirt if I went there. And I had already went to junior college for a year, so I didn't want to waste another year redshirting, so I decided to go where I had a, a, a really better opportunity to start in my first year, so I went to the University of Washington. And the transition to Washington 
an easy one for you? It really wasn't. Uh, it was it was easy in some ways as far as playing football, but you know we weren't very good. And and Don James had just come in. I was part of his first recruiting class. Uh, the team was two and nine the year before we got there, and uh, we knew it was going to be a rebuilding process. So whenever you go through that, and we had a very tough schedule that year as well, uh, we didn't get off to the greatest of starts. And uh, so I got a lot of criticism for that, being the starting quarterback and. You know, being 18 years old and being in a new city for the first time and being the first African-American to ever start at, uh, at the University of Washington. So it was, it was some very tough times for me early in my career, but things turned out very well once we uh, got the type of talent that we needed and, and we all grew together. Yeah, your running back wasn't that good there. You had a six-five running back uh, who ended up playing for the Bears. Yeah, Robert Earl. He, he was a really big running back, six foot five, two hundred and forty, forty-five pounds, and and uh, we ran a ball control offense just to try and you know eat up as much time on the clock as we could and keep our defense off the field. And uh, I didn't get to throw the ball as much as I wanted to, but that was our best way of I guess winning because we didn't have a lot of speed on the outside. So Don was a little bit more of a ball control type of coach to try and keep the score clo- close, and we uh, we had a pretty good year. We finished six and five, and we were one game away from going to the Super. I mean, excuse me, the Super Bowl to the uh, to the Rose Bowl. So uh, we were very competitive, and um, it was a good start for us for for a new regime. And then during your senior year, you, you did make it to the Rose Bowl, and you beat Michigan. Yeah, beat the mighty Wolverines, who were rated number three in the country at that time, and we were 17-point underdogs in that ball game. Nobody gave us a chance, but uh, we had tremendous confidence in ourselves, and and we went into that game and just let everything flow. And uh, I ended up having a pretty good game myself, and ended up being the MVP of the game. So it was one of the great days for me in in my sports career, uh, being able to come back to Los Angeles, where I lived. Actually, it was in Pasadena, but right outside of Los Angeles, and be able to play in front of my friends and family and play in the Rose Bowl, a, a bowl game that I had always admired as a young kid growing up, watching it and going to the Rose Parade and all that as a young kid, now getting a chance to, to play in it as a college senior. So you're the Rose Bowl MVP, which is was the biggest bowl game at that time, and you don't get drafted in the NFL. I don't get it. I understand it's because you're a black quarterback, but... Were these teams not willing to give you any shot because of it? Not really. I had the same problems coming out of uh, college that I had coming out of high school. Everybody wanted to change me, and uh, I just knew it was part of the time. It was, you know, it was just a, a time where African Americans weren't looked highly upon as quarterbacks. Uh, there was a lot of stereotypes about us playing the position, and I got caught up in that some, but. I wasn't going to let it detour me. I was going to go again where I could get the best opportunity. And, and just like I went to junior college, I decided to go to uh, Canada because they were going to give me a chance to play quarterback. So even though I wasn't going to be able to fulfill my dream, which was my dream as a young kid to play in the NFL, uh, I never lost sight of that, even though I had to go a different direction to do it. But wasn't Vince Evans in the league at that time with the Bears and Doug Williams with Tampa? No, they were both in the USFL at that time. I don't think there were any black quarterbacks in the in the league um, when I came back from Canada. And uh, Doug was drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but that was because John McKay had always had African American quarterbacks at USC. You know, he had Jimmy Jones and a couple other guys that had, had played quarterback for him at USC. So drafting an African American quarterback for him wasn't anything different. 
but I, I'm sure that if John McKay wouldn't have drafted uh, Doug Williams in the first round, he might have, who knows where he might have went in the draft. So, um, yes, those guys were in the league, but Vince wasn't playing very much. Doug was doing pre- a pretty good job at, at Tampa, but then by the time I came into the league in 84, they were out of the league just because of you know problems they were having with their contracts getting re-signed, so they went to the USFL. What would the NFL try to change you to from a quarterback? I, I look at you and I say, okay, you're a quarterback. I, I'm not a personnel guy, but I'm saying the guy's a quarterback, period, end of story. Well, that's they what I say, too. But we've seen many African-American quarterbacks changed to different positions. And uh, for sometimes your athletic ability penalizes you as a quarterback because they want to put you in a position that's a more skilled position, whether it be wide receiver or defensive back. And I just never felt like I was that good enough an athlete to play another position like that. I was a good athlete for quarterback, but I wasn't a great enough athlete to make the transition to go to wide receiver or defensive back, which some other guys maybe were better athletes than I was that were able to make that transition. What was it like playing for the Edmonton Eskimos? I loved it. Uh, it was a great opportunity for me. It was a, a veteran football team. I didn't have to come in there and be a leader or anything. I could come up and just learn. Uh, I got a chance to develop my game. Uh, we won a lot. You know, we won five championships while I was up there. Uh, so it was a great environment for uh, for playing football, even though you were in another country, you were learning another culture, uh, you were a long ways from home in that. But because you were winning, because you were having fun doing something that you loved, playing football, it made it bearable, no question about it. And Edmonton seemed to be more progressive because with the Edmonton Oilers, they had a black goalie in uh, Grant Fuhr. Yeah, they did. And, and I became friends with all those guys on the Oilers. Wayne Gretzky was there at the time, and Paul Coffey, and uh, Kevin Lowe, and, I mean, Yari Curry, and, as you said, Grant Fuhr. They had a great hockey team. And at one point, we won five straight championships in football, and then they won, I think, four out of five cups. So they kind of renamed Edmonton the City of Championships because between that 10-year period, there was nine championships in that city. So it was a, a very good sports town, a very great span, uh, fan base, and uh, it was just a good time to be living in Edmonton, Alberta. While you were enjoying your success in the Canadian Football League, did any NFL teams contact you and say, hey, we'd like to have you play quarterback for us? Oh, yeah, I had plenty of teams looking at me as far as scouts up in our press box all the time, and I was always made aware of the teams that were going to be there, you know, watching me that night, and I got a lot of exposure uh, because when the NFL went on strike in 1983, I think it was, or 82, our games were televised in the U.S., so uh, I got a lot of exposure that way as well. So you knew when you had a chance to play on U.S. television, you wanted to play even a little bit better. It was kind of a motivator for you. Um so it was just a matter of my contract uh, getting to a point where I could get out of it or, or it running out, and then was I going to decide to come back to the NFL or not because I really was enjoying playing in Canada. But, again, my dream was always to play in the NFL, and I had accomplished so much in Canada over those first five years that there wasn't a whole lot left for me to do up there as far as winning, as far as uh winning individual awards or team awards. So that's when I started saying, hey, maybe it's time for me to go back down to the NFL if I can get the right opportunity and uh, see exactly how good I was as a quarterback. Because I think the only way you can judge yourself is to play against the best. And, and there's no question the best were in the National Football League. I see that Houston won the bidding war for you in 84. Who else uh, wanted your services? 
Well, it came down to Houston and the Seattle Seahawks, which is where I was living in the off season. And I went to school at the University of Washington, so it was a natural progression for me. You know, Chuck Knox was the coach at that time. They had a very good football team. They went to the AFC, I think, championship game um, and lost. But uh, Dave Craig was their quarterback at the time, so the, the Seahawks were making a big push for me. And it kind of puzzled me that they even wanted me as their quarterback because they had a you know a really good football team. But uh, Houston was more of a a um, draw for me one because it was a, a up and coming franchise uh, it was something I could build with as opposed to going to Seattle a team that was already good yeah. I, I really liked the challenge of going somewhere and making a bad team good and also my uh, head coach Hugh Campbell from Canada was the name the head coach at Houston so I'm going to a team now that has a coach that's familiar with me I'm familiar with him and uh, I just thought maybe we could have some of the same success we had in, in Edmonton in Houston did playing on the, the larger field in the, the CFL hinder your early days in the NFL? I don't think so. I, I think the big thing was um, talent level. You know, we didn't have a, a, a great talent at, at, at uh, Houston when I got there. Again, they were a two and fourteen team that uh, we were coming off of that season, and, and we just had to rebuild our personnel. We had a very young offensive line, some really good offensive linemen for the future. You know, Bruce Matthews was on that offensive line. Mike Munchek was on that line, both Hall of Famers. Um, we also had Dean Steinkuhler, who was the number one overall pick in the draft. <clears throat> Excuse me, the number two overall pick in the draft when I first came in. So we were building up front with young guys, uh, and then and then later on we we got uh, more outside, you know, talent as far as Ernest Givens and guys like that that really made our passing game start to take off. So once we got the talent around me that uh, we could utilize my strengths, which was throwing the football. Then we started to really making some noise offensively. Oh yeah, you had some great running backs and Rogier. You had um, Hayward Jeffries at ride receiver, but the coach who really took advantage of you was Jerry Glanville, and he took over. Yeah, you know Jerry, um, he was a very energetic coach. You know he was known as the Man in Black or whatever he wanted to call himself, and um, we had some really hard hitting defenses and the the. Uh, the Astrodome kind of became known as the House of Pain and that type of thing on the defensive side of the ball. So there was a lot of enthusiasm built into our football team when Jerry took over as coach. And we started to run more of the uh, the spread offense, more of the four-wide receiver type thing called the red gun. And then later on we changed it to uh, the run and shoot. Was he an easy coach to get along with? Well, I, he was and then he wasn't. You know, he, he was a very big personality guy. Uh, he liked a lot of attention. And, um, you know, we bite heads sometimes, I think, just because as a quarterback, I got a lot of attention as well, and I don't know if he always liked that. But um, I had respect for him because he was my head coach, and, uh, you know, he called the shots. But uh, there was a lot of things that, that he did as a coach that I didn't necessarily agree with sometimes. Then Jack, then Jack Pardee comes in there and, Basically, you're in the playoffs. The game I most remember is that 1992 playoff game against the Bills. What was that like? Uh, it was, wasn't a very good day. It started out to be a very good day. Uh, you know, we jumped out ahead, something that we wanted to do early to try and get the crowd out of the game and, and uh, take the, the momentum away from the Bills, especially being on the road and being in Buffalo. And uh, So we did, were able to do that. We had a commanding lead at halftime, I think, with 28-3. And, and then we jumped ahead 35-3 in the third quarter. And then... 
that's when the uh, the dam broke, and uh, we gave them an opportunity to get back into the game with two quick scores. And then uh, after an onside kick, they got the ball back again, and, and the momentum in the ball game just changed from there. And we just didn't put the ball put them away when we had them down, and, and we have nobody to blame but ourselves. And uh, me being the quarterback of that football team, I, I I put a lot of blame on me for not being able to make the plays down the stretch to make to make the game you know ours. And that's something that I'll always look back on and say uh, we let that one get away because I really thought that team was good enough to make it to the Super Bowl that year. And then you get traded to Minnesota. Your reaction to all that after an illustrious career in Houston? I was a little bit surprised, but but not after it being explained to me. You know, I had gone to six straight Pro Bowls. Uh, we had just come off of a 12 and four season, and. Um, I was being traded mainly because the salary cap came into play, and our backup quarterback Cody Carlson had just been signed to a, a pretty good numbered deal the year before, and they couldn't keep us both because of the salaries. And they were looking at my age being 38, and then the fact that uh, he was a younger guy that they had been developing for the future. So they decided to make the change because they didn't know how long I was going to continue to play at, at that level at that age, and they thought Cody was ready to take over as a starter. So uh, I understood what they, where they were coming from, but I also knew how I felt as a player and, and how, where I was physically. And, and I told Floyd Reese, our general manager at that time, I said, I think you're making a mistake, but you've got to do what you feel is best for the organization. Um, and I went ahead and, and accepted a trade to the Minnesota Vikings, which I thought was a team that, that uh, could have been pretty good if we wouldn't have lost some guys on defense to free agency. Uh, because all they were really lacking was the offensive side of it. And uh, so I went there, and, and we had a couple of playoff seasons, but never were able to really get over the hump there. What was your favorite moment in uh, professional football? I think really the day that I actually signed my first contract, um, because I had to take such a, a long road to get there, you know. And, again, I told you my dream was to play in the NFL. That was all the way back to when I was a young kid. And, and no matter what I had to do along the way, whether it was you know going to high school and, and going to junior college and going to Canada and playing after you know my my major college career was over, I finally got there at age 28 or 27 or something like that, and and I think that was my my most memorable day when I was able to sit down and actually sign that contract as the richest player in the NFL at that particular time, believe it or not. After all I had gone through, uh, that's where I ended up, and that was one of the most memorable days for me, being able to sign that first NFL contract. Now, if you were coming out of college today, I would assume you'd have a much easier time making it as a quarterback in the NFL. What what has been the the impetus for all that? Your success? Well, I think my success coupled with Doug Williams' success winning the Super Bowl in 88 and Randall Cunningham's success, we all played at about the same time. And we were three African-American quarterbacks playing at a very high level, one having won a Super Bowl, one having uh, been an MVP of the league, and myself just um, having a very consistent career and playing at a very high level for over a long period of time. I think all of that helped that next generation of guys get more opportunities to be drafted as quarterbacks. So not only did I play a role in it, but those other two guys that I talked about did as well. And that's something I, I think we'll all be very proud of for a long time, that we were able to make a difference 
in people's minds in the NFL and and uh, opened up the gates for for all these other young quarterbacks like the Donovan McNabs and the the Dante Culpeppers and the Michael Vicks and those guys to get an opportunity to play at a, at a very high level and be drafted very high in the draft. When you went in the Hall of Fame, did you expect it or did it come as a surprise? Well, I, I knew, you know, compared to what who was already in there, that I had a, a chance to make it in there one day. I I wasn't really sure because it's never uh, in your control or your power because other people are voting on you, but. I knew I had a pretty good resume. I knew I didn't have a championship under my belt, but I also knew that there were other quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame that didn't have championships under their belt, and they were in there. So, uh, again, I, I, I knew it was a possibility, but I definitely wasn't sure. And, and when I got the call in my first year uh, as a first ballot guy, that surprised me a little bit, but I took it. Who was your favorite receiver to throw to? Probably Chris Carter, who, who finally made it to the Hall of Fame this year, and I got a chance to play with him three years at uh, in Minnesota, and you know he set an NFL record for most receptions the first year I was there with him. Uh, he was uh, he got that got broke the second year by one reception, so over a two-year period he caught 242, 244 balls from me. So uh, we had a very good rapport early, uh, even though we didn't know each other that that well, but that was because. We both practiced really hard, and we both gave each other a great picture in practice. So once we got to the game, it was uh, it was just like second nature, and it's like we've been playing with with each other for years. Who gave you the most problems defensively? I would say that maybe the Philadelphia Eagles did one year when I was with Houston. Um, they had a very physical defense. You know, Reggie White was there, Jerome Brown was there, Seth Joyner. Uh, they had a, a really really physical defense, and they really got after our run and shoot pretty good, really intimidated our receivers, uh, really knocked them around. So they were one team that that I had difficulty with in the one game we played against them. But in our division, you know, Cleveland always gave us a lot of problems in the AFC, AFC Central just because we played them so much and we knew each other so well. Buddy Ryan was your coach, uh, defensive coach in Houston. Did, he, did his defense play with that intensity in practice that they did in games? He tried to. Um, it's kind of hard to get guys, you know, in week 12, week 14 of the season to keep playing with that same type of intensity, especially in Houston, Texas, where it never gets cool until November. So uh, you have you have to really curtail, you know, how much energy you expend in practice so you're fresh and ready to play in the game. But there's no question that he's intense as far as <clears throat> the attention to detail and things like that. But uh the guys just definitely couldn't be as physical in practice because you're playing against your own guys. You don't want to beat up your own teammates. When, in that comeback game, I remember him and Kevin Gilbert beating each other's faces. I thought they were going to come to blows. Well, Buddy took a swipe at him, but that was something that, that, that started off way back in training camp. And when Buddy took over as his defensive coordinator, you know, he wasn't a big proponent of our offense, and he felt like his defense uh, you know, could dominate and stop our offense. So it became this them against us uh, thing in training camp way back in the off offseason um, that probably shouldn't have been and, and probably should have been nipped in the bud by Jack Pardee at some point just because he and Kevin Gilbride really competed too hard in practice for us to be on the same team. And, and it finally came into a head that, that day uh, when Kevin uh, called a play and, and it was the ball was intercepted that uh, 
Cody Carlson was a quarterback at that time, and Buddy felt that we should have ran the football and ran the clock out at the end of the first half. But Kevin called a pass and it was picked off, and his defense had to go back out on the field. So he was pretty upset about that, and that's when they got into the argument, and that's when Buddy took a swipe at him. Now, when you end up playing for the Seahawks, did, did you feel that your career had sort of come full circle? No question about it, because that was, like I said, one of the places where I – Thought I was going to go coming out of Canada, and I'm glad I got a chance to at least play up there for a couple of years, even though you know I was at age 41 at that time when I got there. But um, really enjoyed my couple of years there playing. You know, we, I led the league in passing that year, my first year there, and I uh, was the MVP of the Pro Bowl that year. So it was a fun year for me. And like I said, I got a chance to play in front of all those fans that I played uh, in front of in college, and. Uh, I really thought my career was going to, that was going to be it. But, you know, I, I got a call from the Kansas City Chiefs to come play for them. So I decided, hey, I can still play physically. So maybe there's an opportunity there. So I went to Kansas City. One last question. Who was your favorite player growing up? Wow. Too many to call. Um, you know, I was a big Rams fan because I grew up in L.A. And Roman Gabriel was one of my favorites as far as a quarterback. But I also loved Roger Staubach and, because I used to watch the Dallas Cowboys all the time because they were on TV, it seemed like, every weekend. And I just yeah. loved the way he played the game. And um, believe it or not, O.J. Simpson was one of my favorite players as well when he was in college. <laughs>